0: RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world so please check their website for details. Have you ever experienced symptoms at the start of your run? Things like lightheadedness, lack of focus, maybe an imbalance in motion, fogginess or a feeling of low energy. Well, if you have, it's possible that you've been experiencing running-induced low blood sugar. So if this is something that concerns you, or maybe it's something that you want to prevent in the future, listen in. We'll explain all about it and what you can do nutritionally to help minimize and manage these types of symptoms. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionist friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Club. I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen. And as always, we're going to start by sharing something personal with you, uh, usually about our nutrition or our running uh, before we move on to talk about today's topic. Um, And today we're going to be focusing on a condition known as transient or rebound hyperglycemia and hyperglycemia is uh, low blood sugar. Um, So temporary low blood sugar levels are the thing that we're going to focus on related to your exercise. Um, We've decided to talk about this subject because it appears to be quite a common complaint amongst runners as well as other athletes. So to start with, Karen, my question to you is this condition, transient hyperglycemia, something that you've ever suffered from?
1: Uh, hi Aileen and hi uh, all our listeners as well and um, to answer your question Aileen yes transient or rebound hypoglycemia, as you were saying um, is a condition that I have suffered from and still do on occasion if I don't pay strict attention to my food especially my macronutrient intake around my training. Um, so um, we will sort of discuss a transient hypoglycemia and exactly what it is in more detail as we go through the topic. But, but for me, the key symptoms that I suffered with uh, related to that low blood sugar state that you was, you referenced to Aileen, um, are sort of the the lightheadedness, just sort of lack of focus when I first started um, going out and running and also a slight imbalance of, of motion. It was really strange and um, sort of a a really low energy Um, but I have to say it would last Oh, I don't know. That varied as well. Anything from just a few minutes to maybe five or ten minutes. And then my energy would sort of kick in and, and I'd feel restored and feel more focused and strong. Um, but, yeah, like I say, it's a really strange um, feeling when it happens. But thankfully, it doesn't actually occur very often. Um, I would say that it probably used to occur more often. Uh, but then when I started to consciously think, think about my nutrition for my my running and also increase my knowledge on it um, and the consequences of of that poor nutrition on my performance I have to say it's really diminished so it is quite rare now but how about you Aileen you know you have shared with us on on several occasions really that you are carb carbohydrate sensitive and does that mean that you tend to be prone to this rebound hyperglycemia or do you, are you really conscious about your food and adapt your food intake to prevent it happening?
0: Yeah, I guess I adapt my food intake. I mean, I, I've never really noticed um, that sort of transient rebound hyperglycemia. I think my experience related to low blood sugar, I usually, if I leave too long between meals, um, so I tend to aim to eat every four to five hours, um, and when when I get that jittery shaky feeling, um, you know it is quite um, that's distressing is not the right word, but it's very um, all consuming. I know about it straight away and I have to stop whatever I'm doing and eat. Um, so obviously, I, I try to avoid that by happening by really planning my meal times and also responding to how I'm feeling. Um, but I think in relationship to exercise, the reactions that I experience related to blood sugar, I think is related to how how I process the quick release carbohydrates during training or races, and I don't seem to be able to tolerate high quantities of carbohydrate, um, so I do manage my intake, so it's always a little bit frustrating for me when you know I hear recommendations about how much carbohydrate you should be taking during a long endurance run because my body just can't tolerate that. So Mm -hmm. I have to manage um, what I I take and we'll probably talk about that as we go through today. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Okay, so let's uh, move on and outline our discussion. So as we've already said, we're going to be looking into rebound hyperglycemia and we're going to give an outline of what it is and um, some insights into the current research um, and find out what what the research saying about this condition regarding athletes we will talk about nutrition and how it can prevent or help us manage the condition and also finally giving some ideas about how we can put these nutritional practices into action so so we all know that carbohydrates are a limiting factor in running performance and it's well recognized that carbohydrates are crucial in providing energy to the working muscles and that any depletion of muscle glycogen stores and a decrease in blood glucose levels during prolonged exercise are both um, contributors to the development of of fatigue. And as runners, we really depend on carbohydrate pre-exercise. So with that in mind, Karen, um, would you outline what transient hyperglycemia is?
1: Yeah, sure, Aileen. And, you know, we have spoken about it already when when thinking about our experiences around this condition, but really just to outline it in a more formal way. Um, So transient hypoglycemia in exercise, which is also known as this reactive as well as rebound hypoglycemia, is a condition where carbohydrate foods which have been ingested approximately 30 minutes to 60 minutes before exercise results in low blood sugar levels, so that hypoglycemia. At the out onset of exercise. And for some people, you know, this can lead to lots of different symptoms, including the ones we've mentioned that we, we experience alien, but the common ones are dizziness, sluggishness, you no know, sort of low energy when you're starting out, you're running, feeling jittery or shaky, like you were saying, uh, poor focus. Some people can feel a bit nauseous as well, or maybe have a slight headache and some can just have slightly blurred vision, which again also rectifies itself. And I have to say what we're speaking about today is very much about this this transient hypoglycemia in exercise. You know, like you were saying, Aileen, you you can experience it away from exercise and 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 other People uh, may do so as well, but we are looking at it today specifically around um, around exercise. Now, the reason for this phenomenon around exercise isn't completely understood. However, it is thought to be linked to increased insulin levels, which is known as um, hyperinsulinemia. So another tricky word. Uh, now, some studies suggest that this hyperinsulinemia, so this high insulin levels as a result of high glucose levels following the consumption of the carbohydrate rich foods. Um, is is part of the problem, but it's then accompanied by a rapid fall in blood glucose levels. In fact, to levels as is, is sort of reaching below three point five millimoles per liter, which is 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 known to be significantly low. But but other studies, you know, there's always two sides to a story, and other studies have shown that there's no evidence of this transient hypoglycemia, um, even in um people who have sort of high, high insulin levels after eating. So really, to date, the consensus seems to be that some people may be more prone to the severe blood glucose imbalances during exercise than others when pre-exercise carbohydrates has been consumed. And it does appear to be linked to the amount of insulin um, that an individual will release following carbohydrate um, Um, consumption so
0: it's all very individual as always really. Yeah as always so what you're saying Karen is that the research is suggesting that athletes who develop transient hyperglycemia have an enhanced insulin response um, compared with other athletes following the same in the same amount of uh, carbohydrate rich foods pre-exercise.
1: Yeah, exactly. So they might be um, having the same foods, uh, but somebody's um, insulin will spike higher than another person's. And and also just to add to that, the sudden drop of blood glucose that occurs just as exercise begins, because this sort of reaction is happening just as exercise starts, is thought to be due to um, also enhanced muscle glucose uptake as a result of the action of muscle contraction. So that's going to happen anyway, um, but it's happening alongside the increased insulin levels that's happening as well, due to that carbohydrate consumption. But also at the same time, you've got a drop in um, liver glucose production. So that naturally happens as well as you start exercising but again if you've got even higher levels being released as it is as some people are prone to that would then further enhance this glucose uptake by the working muscles therefore could lead to a bigger drop in 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 blood glucose levels does that make sense Aileen
0: yeah I'm keeping up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so the higher the insulin levels, the higher the glucose uptake by the working muscles and therefore the bigger the drop in glucose, blood glucose levels. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think that makes sense. And um, I, I suppose I can understand why there would be a hyperglycemic response at the outset of exercise due to that muscle contraction and the high insulin levels and the accompanying low glucose production by the liver So uh, would it be advisable, Karen, for those athletes who are insulin sensitive to avoid carbohydrate pre-exercise?
1: Yeah, actually, that's a really good question, Aileen. But um, the answer is no. And the reason for that is because it is thought that these symptoms that we've spoken about don't actually affect performance itself. And, um, and as we know, sort of the data advocating sort of carbohydrates to enhance performance far outweighs any sort of temporary discomfort that may be felt by an athlete as a result of the um, transient low blood sugar levels. So, you know, there are some approaches to nu- nutrition that could be put in place to try and and minimise the various sort of hypoglycemic symptoms, which I'm sure
0: that we will go on and and speak about in in detail later. Yeah, that would be really helpful. So Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, just thinking about the the rebound hypoglycemia phenomenon, as you've described it, um, what exactly... Or when does it occur and how long does it tend to last? I think that's probably what people are wondering if they're trying to work out if if it's happened to them or if it's something that uh, they might experience in the future.
1: Yeah, really good point. So it does seem to um, occur. Again, it varies, but it does tend to occur within the 30 minutes of beginning exercise. Now, for some runners, it might be straight away or for others, it might be several minutes after starting the run. And again, it may vary between runs within an individual. So you might go out for a run one day and you find that just as you start running you 're starting to feel these um, symptoms, and then the next run that you do it 's actually a few few minutes um, later into the run that that starts to the symptoms start to appear now regarding how long. Um, that this this condition lasts again, this will vary between individuals and also within the same individual on different runs, but it isn't thought to last more than approximately thirty minutes. With the average being around ten to twenty minutes, but I would say that's long enough to um, to be experiencing these symptoms really, because they're they're just uncomfortable. So it's still long enough, really.
0: Yeah, it's it's very distracting, isn't it, if something like that happens to you because your mind isn't on your exercise, it's on what is going wrong. But I suppose that if you know what it is, you can rationalise it and feel a little bit more comfortable about the situation, knowing that it is transient, as we've been, we've been saying. Um, so I, just before we, we sort of get to the next point, Karen, I just thought I would share um, – something in a review paper that was written by um, Professor Asker Juerkendrop and his colleague, Sophie Killer. Um, They suggested that the amount of carbohydrate digested within the hour pre-exercise did not alter the fall in blood glucose levels at the onset of exercise. And they were reviewing studies that utilised as little as 22 grams of carbohydrate up to 156 grams of carbohydrate pre-exercise. So um, one study gave carbohydrates, 22 grams of carbohydrate, and and observed and noted the insulin response. Uh, They then gave them 78 grams of carbohydrate and found that the insulin response was no greater. So this would suggest that the subsequent drop in glucose levels at the onset of exercise can't be prevented whether an individual has a small amount or a large amount of carbohydrate pre-exercise. So I think that's really interesting to know. Um, And it's all about the individual's sensitivity to raise insulin levels, not about the amount of carbohydrate that they're taking on.
1: Exactly that, and that—that's really interesting, isn't it? That it is about their sensitivity to insulin. It's not actually about the the carbohydrates or how much they they have of it. And another um, point that was highlighted in a paper that I was reading was that there um, was a difference in insulin levels depending on um, whether glucose or fructose was consumed. Um, so with fructose. Um, appearing to cause only a slight increase in blood insulin levels compared to glucose. So that's something to think about. And um, and they found that as a result, there there was no reactive hypoglycemia evident at the onset of exercise. Now, I have to say, this was information I was reading from one study only. However, maybe it could be a possible approach to consider um, for somebody to to try and help alleviate the symptoms of the the transient hypoglycemia, because as we were saying, that they are quite uncomfortable. So maybe something for us to discuss later when we we look at nutrition to try and manage
0: these symptoms. Aileen, yeah, sure. Okay, so shall we have a quick summary before we move on? So, um, what we're saying is that transient hypoglycemia is, is a phenomenon that occurs in some athletes, but not all athletes. It appears to be linked to an individual's sensitivity to circulating insulin levels, and that might occur whether the small or large amounts of carbohydrate foods within that 30 to 60 minutes pre exercise. And The the important thing to remember is that the symptoms experienced are transient and they should dissipate within 20 to 30 minutes into your run. Um, But of course, you know, if this is a condition that's of of concern to people and you feel that you might need some personalised nutritional support to manage or alleviate the symptoms, um, you know, we'd invite you to contact us. Um, so that we can arrange a consultation and you can get hold of us at hello at runnershealthhub.com and we'd be happy to have a a chat with you and see what we can do to help. Okay, so just um, moving on, Karen, um, I think it would be a good idea just to highlight if there's any female factors that we should be considering. Is there anything that you would like to share
1: yeah, actually, there are a couple of factors that I think women would maybe need to consider linked to this. Now, in some of the studies I was re- re- reading, the results were showing that glucose levels tend to decrease more so in women than they do in men during Exercise um, after they've eaten, so really suggesting that women could possibly be more prone to this rebound hypoglycemia than men. So I thought that was quite interesting, and also um, the, the sort of around the reading I was doing, it showed that obese males appeared to have a larger exercise-induced insulin drop than obese females. So again, this would potentially suggest that women would be more prone to this um, rebound hypoglycemia if increased insulin levels are the principal driver of the condition, as we've been suggesting, Aileen. So, Um, So possibly some overweight women who start to turn to running to help reduce weight may find that they experience some of these symptoms of hypoglycemia when they first begin this form of exercise. But maybe as the weight reduces, the symptoms could um, potentially reduce as well. So now that that's something that wasn't determined in the study. those were my thoughts, but just thinking about as as the weight reduces insulin levels um, hopefully start to come down as a result, then hopefully that rebound hypoglycemia will will um, diminish too. So it's another. It's another thought Um, and also somewhere else in another study comparing men and women with type 2 diabetes um, and their response to exercise, it showed that women have a lower glucose response to men. Now, glucagon is a hormone that is important for blood sugar control. So lower levels in women would suggest, again, that they may be more susceptible to blood sugar imbalances and the knock-on effects of that, including potentially that transient hypoglycemia in exercise. So just different things to think about that women could be more susceptible to that might lead to this um, transient hypoglycemia.
0: No, oh, thanks, Karen. That's really interesting. I think uh, just to have a bit of background to why uh, we might be in that situation and learning that women may be more susceptible to blood sugar imbalances than men. Um, so it's, it's something that we really need to be considering, um, thinking about what, how much, and when to eat carbohydrate foods and and how to manage that. Um, and again, we we have talked about this in a previous episode, so if um, blood sugar balance is something that is concerning to you and and I I would suggest it's something that all women need to be um, conscious of and we do talk about blood sugar balance a lot don't we Karen because it's, mm-hmm. it's very much related to hormonal balance um, so I'd suggest people go back and listen to episode 41 uh, which is called blood sugar balance for female runners and there's lots of really helpful advice there about how to manage blood sugar level on a day-to-day basis
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: okay so um, let's move on and talk about some nutritional approaches Karen to preventing or at least minimizing these symptoms of transient hyperglycemia um, and we mentioned that earlier that the insulin response to fructose rich foods was much lower than the response to glucose rich foods so this potentially could be an easy swap for runners who are insulin sensitive Um, so the foods i'm thinking of here are the natural ones with a high fructose content Um, so not foods where fructose and high fructose corn syrup have been added so we you know we always try to avoid uh, the artificial foods um, because they tend to be Um, highly processed and and they've got um, this cheap sweetener added to enhance the taste and the flavor so the fructose that we would be um, focusing on are those that have the simple sugars in them so the monosaccharides and they're typically found in fruit and vegetables and some foods that we could mention that contain high levels of fructose would be things like fruit juices so um, we obviously suggest that you limit the intake of fruit juices because that's, you know, you can get a lot of fruit in a glass of juice. So, you know, you just have to be careful that you're not overloading yourself. Um, And then thinking about whole fruits, so things like apples, pears, grapes, watermelon uh, would be good. And then vegetables that have um, a higher amount of fructose are things like asparagus, peas, zucchini or courgettes, depending on what side of the pond you're on. So is there anything that you would add to that list, Karen?
1: Yes, Aileen. Um, I would just add some um, natural sweetness there that are are also thought to be um, high in fructose, which include the likes of honey, um, agave syrup, also maple syrup. Uh, coconut sugar and palm sugar as well, and also um molasses. You know the back the blackstrap molasses, which is sort of a side product from the production of table sugar. So, so really, there are quite a lot of foods there for a runner to choose from, and mostly foods that would be easy, really, on the digestive system, especially as you would be generally consuming them within sixty minutes of beginning a run. So, they really need to be sort of supportive of the digestive system as well as sort of helping minimize the effects of this potential low blood sugar as you start running
0: yeah and i think another sort of thing that people need to take into consideration karen is that most fruit and vegetables and, and natural sweeteners the ones that you've just mentioned contain both fructose and glucose Um, The ones that we've mentioned have a higher fructose-to-glucose ratio. Um, So, for example, the ratio of fructose-to-glucose in agave syrup is uh, 55.6 to 12.4, which is a significant difference. Mm. And in honey, the ratio is 40.2 to 35.2, so less significant, but still, it's still got a higher fructose content.
1: Absolutely, that's a really good point. That's something to think about is that they are, a lot of them do contain both, but it's about choosing the ones that have got that higher fructose um, content. And then thinking about the fruits, you were speaking about the whole fruits, aileen pears have a, a ratio of 7.2 to 2.8, so 7.2 fructose to 2.8 glucose. So again, a lower content of, of sugars overall. However, the fructose content is still significantly higher than the glucose content. so a good choice there. So, you know, if we were to think of of really other approaches to manage exercise induced blood sugar imbalances, one that comes to mind for me is maybe um, having a snack, combining protein and carbohydrate um, pre-exercise and this is something we do speak about um, uh, to have on a a daily basis but but definitely around training as well and and, in lots of different scenarios so Aileen I know that this is actually an approach that you use sometimes to help manage your blood sugar levels I I just wondered if you would be willing maybe to to share why and and how you introduce this approach into your pre-exercise Exercise and um, eating regime, or eating regime generally.
0: Yeah, sure. So I mean, as we've said earlier, I am carb sensitive. So what that means to me is, if I eat carbohydrate only, uh, then within one to two hours, I get that jittery, shaky, nausea feeling, and that's really whether I'm eating exercise, I'm not. So you'd never find me eating. A plate of pasta or a risotto without protein that just would send me <laughs> on a spiral Um so on a day-to-day basis uh, I try not to go for hours without eating which I've already mentioned and I always have protein along with my carbohydrate and I always have an emergency snack with me uh, which is protein based just in case I'm delayed anywhere and I know that my next meal might be late you know I've been in times gone by, you know, I've been standing waiting for a train and I've been thinking, oh, oh here's the sign. And, you know, I've got to dive into my back and get my, my emergency snack. Um, but with regards to pre-exercise, I mean, if it's a really short early morning run, I can run in a fasted state and that works fine for me. Um, but other times of the day, um, I might have something like overnight oats, which would be the carbohydrate con- um part of the meal um but i would always have some protein with it so maybe some nuts and seeds so i'm not the kind of person that could just go out with a a bowl of porridge that on on its own i need some protein with it um if it's going to be a longer run that i'm going to be out for longer or maybe it's a later time in the day i might have some scrambled eggs as well as the overnight oats because that that amount of protein just would balance me um so yeah, I sort of tend to adapt, and you know, still have the carbohydrate, but the protein just sort of slows down the release of the carbohydrate into our system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then during a long run, so when I'm thinking about my nutrition during uh, run training, what seems to work best for me is just have small amounts of quick release carbohydrates um, every 30 minutes. So I tend to use medjool dates. And sometimes it's a half a day, or sometimes it's a whole day, depending on how I'm feeling. And I'll do that every thirty minutes. And these small amounts just seem to work for me. Um, or I might cut up a naked bar. So the naked bars are a combination of uh, dried fruits and nuts, and I might eat small pieces along the way. So it, that would give me a little bit of protein. Um, and then occasionally um, I'll use the Ella fruit pouches, which I seem to be able to tolerate. And, you know, from what you've been saying there, maybe it's the fructose content that makes that better for me. Um, so recently, um, you know, a few weeks ago, I did the Great North Run. And it was uh, because of all the social distancing, it was a late start time because they were spreading everybody out um to start at different points. And so I really had to think about what I was going to eat. So what I did was I had actually an early breakfast, um, which was eggs and toast. And then mid-morning, I had my overnight oats. And then 30 minutes before, when I was actually sort of near the start line, I had a small banana. And then every 30 minutes, I had um, half a day or a day. And that sort of fueled me nicely. Mm. Uh, And and I felt quite balanced and I didn't have any jitters that day. So that was, um, everything worked nicely that day for me yeah that's really good, alien.
1: Some really good um practical tips there and I like your idea of always carrying an emergency snack wherever you go so you can just dip into your bag and and you've got something and I was just thinking, well, potentially runners could be doing that as well if say they are prone to um to sugar dips or they're going out in a really long run, just taking an extra little snack. Just in case, because sometimes as runners we can get lost, and our run ends up being longer than we expect. So maybe if somebody's prone to the, those dips, then having an extra snack on your run with you could just see you through to the end. So th- thanks very much for sharing
0: that, Aileen. That's been really. Well, I'm a- nodding here. If anybody can see me, I am nodding that you were saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think another potential approach, uh,
1: you, you were speaking there about the carbohydrate and protein combination, but another approach could possibly be um, to have slow release carbohydrate foods within that six, 60 minute window pre exercise. Now, For those of you who have been listening to us and following us for some time, you'll be aware that we do generally advocate having a a quick release carbohydrate food source at this time. So within that 60 minute window. Um, including some of the ones that we've already mentioned but I suppose this just highlights again that for some runners especially those who are insulin sensitive a slow release carbohydrate food choice may be more appropriate now foods I'm thinking about here include um, brown bread and the oat cakes and oats as you were saying Aileen you have you have overnight oats sometimes. And for some people that might be enough, but but clearly you need to add the protein as well. But for some, just having the overnight oats might be enough because again, it's slow release. Any whole grains, any pulses, things like that, those sort of foods might be more supportive within that 60 minute window before you, before you go out running. Now, yeah, I always emphasise that this information on on our podcast is generic and and everybody's needs will be different. So again, if you do feel you could benefit from a more personalized approach to help you support your running performance, then, like Aileen was saying earlier, just get in touch with us so that we can arrange a a conversation and potentially a consultation with you if you feel that that would that would be really beneficial.
0: Okay. So um, one of the things that was popping into my mind there, Karen, was about um, when you were saying about the emergency snack and I was thinking, you know, it's all about keeping yourself in balance um, on a day-to-day basis so that when you do go out on your run, Um, you're already in a good condition and what was popping into my mind is that there are other external things that can cause insulin spikes and one of them is coffee and we've talked about coffee in a previous episode um and for some people coffee can be detrimental and it's known to increase insulin levels due to the stress response um that it evokes on the body so if you are insulin sensitive it may be worth trialing um doing your run before you have a coffee um just to see if that makes any difference um because that can and also stress you know if you're in a highly stressed state and i think that's what one of the things i notice about myself is um you know, I would say 95% of the time I'm in balance, but some days I'm just not. Um And you know, it's probably one of those external factors that's making a difference in those days. Um, so I just think we've got to think of ourselves as a whole. Um, exactly. For everything.
1: Yes, and what else is going on in your world? And and I think, like you say, the stress, and and as you were saying, that, that sort of the coffee can lead to that stress response. And I have to say, I know that during the lockdown phase that we had, I really got into the habit of having a coffee before my morning run, and I really used to enjoy it, I have to say, but it did nothing for my running performance. You know, when I when I then went out running, um, I started to feel sluggish um, and at times a little bit jittery. And um, and it would settle down. But it was, I did have those sort of hypoglycemic effects. Um when I first went out running. But I have to say, thankfully now I've got out of that habit again now that we're sort of not locked down anymore and I've changed my routine and I'm back to running first. Then I come home and I enjoy my coffee. So and it's also um something to look forward to at the end of my run, especially if it's a really long run. Just think, oh I can go home and have a nice coffee now. So um so yes I can really associate with that aileen how coffee can can um, lead to these symptoms as well. So really, just to kind of recap quickly, we've sort of determined that women could potentially be more susceptible to rebound um, hyperglycemia than men, but there are some ways that we could try to limit or hopefully prevent it occurring, including choosing the appropriate types of foods pre-exercise, and also considering the timing of the foods that we take on board. And and, and clearly thinking about that that coffee and whether it's it's enhancing or limiting our running performance really. So um, so just some ideas here. Now Aileen, I just wondered before we move on further if it would be a good time for an advert break
0: well sure so this is the the moment in the uh, episode where Karen and I take a, a minute just to let you know what we do outside of the podcast at Runners Health Hub and um we thought today maybe it would be a good idea just to remind you that we do have a free nutrition guide available to you. Um, So um, we offer um, this on our website. So if you head over to Runners Health Hub, you'll find it there. Um, And what, what the nutrition guide does is give you an outline of Good running snacks and nutrient timing. So we often get people who tell us they're really confused about what and when to eat pre, during, and post training runs and races. And we do talk about this a lot in the in the podcast and the various different episodes. But we think it would be really helpful to um, just summarise all our advice in the nutrition guide. So it's a PDF download. and um, All you need to do is. Uh, let us know your email address and we'll send it off to you and then you can print it out and uh, you've got it there as a reference guide so we hope you find that really helpful and as I say if you go off to our website uh, runnershealthhub.com, you can download it there Um, we hope it helps you and if you've got any questions about it drop us a line, email us, message us uh, on Facebook. Um, We'll answer the question um, to you in your email and we'll maybe share it during the podcast. So I hope you get your guide soon.
1: Great. Thanks very much, Aileen. So let's now uh, move on and consider how you could put some of these nutritional practices that we've been discussing into place. Now, these recommendations are purely from alien and my knowledge and our interpretation of the, the different data that we've explored, but also our experiences as practitioners and as fellow runners, really. So this is where sort of our, our, our advice is coming from. And I think my first piece of advice would be to remember the 90-minute rule. And what I mean by that is if your run is going to be less than 90 minutes, or 90 minutes as well so 90 minutes or less and um, there may not be a need to eat anything beforehand so again going back to what you were saying Aileen when you do your shorter runs you eat you, you run in the fasted state and you find that your body can manage that and you don't have any sort of hypoglycemic effect so um so so just remember that 90 minute rule and as that could be maybe prevent this reactive hypoglycemia occurring um but on saying that i did actually read a research paper on transient hypoglycemia where they were actually comparing exercise in both the fasted and fed state and this development of this phenomenon this condition now their results suggested that it may occur in the fasted state as well as in the fed state in some people so again it is important to be mindful of this and just sort of really think about trialing the various approaches and then deciding which one is most suitable for your situation because you know can't reiterate it enough we're, we're all different so
0: yeah that's uh that's really interesting that some people do have those uh, feelings even in the fasted state. So yeah. it just highlights what you were saying there, Karen. Yeah. So, um, thinking about the, the theme of timing, Karen, I think another approach that might be helpful is to think about having your last meal or snack more than an hour before you set out on a run. Um, And that could mean that your insulin levels may have peaked and that might start reducing before you set out on the run. And therefore, the hyperglycemic reaction may be less severe actually that's yeah that's a really good idea
1: Aileen to sort of yeah because we always say about eating within the 60 minutes but maybe for some people it's just sort of extending that and and, uh, um, eating slightly more than an hour beforehand and maybe what you could do to compensate for having not eaten for at least an hour pre-exercise when you start running you could maybe think about your um, exercise feeding so you having your food during your run to begin at 30 minutes into the run rather than waiting until 45 to 60 minutes into the run which is what we tend to um, recommend and what the general recommendations are so that is a really good point and something to be considered and something I might consider actually in trial and just see how that works um, and this would really help to ensure that blood glucose levels remain balanced to f- to fuel the run and and that does sound as though that's maybe what you've been doing aileen to support your your running and your yeah sugar levels. I'm obviously doing it intuitively. <laughs> so, yeah, it's all about trial and error, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And also, I think it's important to remember to think about which foods you're eating, you know, do they contain predominantly fructose or or glucose. You know, we've mentioned some fructose dense foods, but there there are glucose dense foods as well, and and you would want to try and avoid those. Um, and and these ones that I'm thinking of here that are more um, glucose dense include the likes of cherries, cranberries, dates, figs. Apricots, as well, especially dried apricots. You know, the, the, the glucose content, the glucose fructose ratio, really, in dried apricots is 37. Uh, glucose to 16.4 fructose. So really, the glucose content of dried apricots is incredibly, incredibly high, so really quite significant. The others are less significant, you know, the other ones I've mentioned here, but they're still glucose dominant. And I know that we do advocate dates um a lot for uh, during training now for some that might be okay but for others maybe what you could think about is swapping them out potentially for um other fruits that we've mentioned or you know alien you you quite often add nuts and seeds to different foods to add that that protein and, and fat balance so here you could maybe just stuff uh, two or three almonds into a date. And that might just help to sort of reduce the the glucose, the glucose response in the body. So something to think about. And um, and just remember the point about coffee, I would say, um, again, is it supporting or hindering your your running performance?
0: Yeah, just um, when you mentioned about the dates and adding an, an almond to it, I sometimes would put um, almond butter or nut butter inside. Mm. Again, that's easier to digest. Yeah, um, and, um, you know that's quite an easy thing to have mm. okay so um, just thinking back now Karen to the advice about eating your last meal or snack more than an hour before you go running um, if you were to decide to do this then choosing a low a slow release carbohydrate would be more beneficial because that'll keep you full of the longer and you could combine it with protein as I mentioned earlier so an example might be poached egg on toast or smoked salmon on oatcakes. Um, or if you wanted more of a carbohydrate based snack, maybe a note or quinoa porridge with some grated pear on the top might be a good option. Again, the, the grated pear means that you're going to digest it quicker uh, rather than sort of eating it in the whole state. Um, so I've just wondered, Karen, do you have any other good uh, blood sugar balancing pre exercise snack ideas?
1: Well, I was just thinking, Alien. If you were a vegan, you might want to consider maybe scrambled tofu on toast or a lentil patty on toast. Clearly, it would depend what time of the day it is and what type of food you like to eat at certain times of the day. Also, maybe um, quinoa and oat porridge um, are good are good choices. That and you were speaking about that, Alien. But also maybe using millet instead. That's another alternative. And if you don't like porridge then you could maybe use any of these grains to make a birchum muesli um overnight um o- oats and uh, different things like that so even with the bircher leaving it overnight in the fridge and then it's ready to go in the morning so those yeah. are the ideas
0: yeah i think again preparing things overnight unless it's so cute you you're helping the food be easier to digest the next day, so that's always helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thanks, Karen, that's been brilliant. You've given us some great tips about what people could try to avoid or reduce the symptoms of rebound hyperglycemia, and lots of help to um, help people put this into practice. Um, but just before we go, um, I was thinking of an easy action point to um, consider, and so. Um, I- Simple one would be to, if you're already having a coffee before you run, trial running first and see what impact this makes. you know, this is sort of going against the advice that we were giving in the episode on coffee, on, on caffeine, because that was talking about having caffeine before you go running to help um, give you some ergogenic benefits. But if you're one of these people that's getting this transient hyperglycemia trial going on your run without a coffee and see what difference it makes. Um, you know, maybe give it a week and, and notice if there's any difference. Um, and we'd love to hear how you're getting on. Um, so if you try that out, uh, let us know um, what difference it made to you, either by posting in on our Facebook page or in our group or via Twitter or Instagram or You could even just email us. We love getting an email at hello hellooneshealthclub.com. Yeah,
1: Aileen, what I would just add there to what you were saying about the action point, I think that's a really good, easy action point for um, people who are affected, potentially affected by this. But, you know, for those of you who also depend on your coffee, maybe just taking out one coffee, not every coffee pre-run and and, and just see if you can see the differences because it would be good to compare. How do you feel without your coffee? how do you feel with your coffee and ju- and ju- observe that for over a period of time because it, it, on the first one you might feel worse but as time goes on you might actually start to feel better and then as you start to if you're finding that it is improving and preventing the the um, hyperglycemia then adding in more days where you're 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 waiting and having your coffee afterwards.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point, Karen, because um, doing something once if it doesn't work isn't always a great strategy. <laughs> we all know things don't work straight away. It's all about um, consistency and conditioning. So yeah, great advice to, to do it over a longer period. So yeah. thanks for that. Um, so we're at key takeaway time, Karen. Would you take us through the key takeaways for today?
1: I will indeed. So just to recap, uh, transient hybrids type- Hypoglycemia in exercise, which, as we said, is also known as reactive or rebound hypoglycemia, is known to be a condition where carbohydrate foods that are consumed approximately 30 to 60 minutes before exercise could result in low blood sugar, so that hypoglycemia as you start out on your run. Now, this could lead to symptoms such as dizziness, jitteriness, um, poor focus, nausea, blurred vision um amongst other things. And um, the causes of this phenomenon are not completely understood yet. However, it is thought to be linked to um, the increased insulin and glucose levels accompanied by that rapid fall in blood glucose levels at the onset of exercise. And this pre-exercise carbohydrate intake appears to be the trigger. Now, transient hypoglycemia tends to occur within 30 minutes of commencing exercise and, and seems to last between 10 to 20 minutes on average. It is thought that these symptoms don't affect running performance, and the current data suggests that the performance-enhancing effects of of taking on carbohydrates pre-exercise outweighs any discomfort that um, you, may, you may feel or any athlete may feel as a result of these temporary low blood sugar levels. Now, there are several different nutritional approaches um, to think about to help avoid or at least limit the effects of um, transient hypoglycemia, including choosing fructose-dense um, foods and natural sweeteners above the glucose ones. Combining protein and carbohydrates, choosing slow-release carbohydrate food sources pre-exercise, eating your last snack or meal at least 60 minutes pre-exercise, and again, um, taking on slow-release carbs at that time fasted state running if your training is less than 90 minutes just remember that rule and um, potentially avoiding um, avoiding coffee intake pre-exercise and then finally what i would just say is remember that we are all individual so it really is about trialing the various approaches and then deciding which one is most suitable for your situation
0: thanks karen that's excellent um, Really fascinating discussion. I'm sure everybody will be thinking about them, their transient glycemia if they have it on the next run. Mm-hmm. And We just ask everybody to let us know how they get on when they're trialing that uh, avoiding coffee pre-run, see if it makes any difference to you. And remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now.